I, I think the position, I think, I think the expectation that the Cowboys have created, uh, not only through the comments we've heard from Stephen Jones, their executive vice president of uh, player personnel, but also uh, added testimony from them allowing a t- franchise record 473 points last year, is that they're going to devote their premium picks when possible to defense. And uh, I think their hope at this point, Jim, is that uh, they'll get their pick, maybe of the first defensive player off the board, um, and at least the best defensive corner off the board, which most people think is Alabama's Patrick Sertan. Um, but there are also people who think South Carolina's uh, J.C. Horn is in the equation. And if they were to move down, Caleb Farley, who's had an injury history to overcome. H- how do you evaluate those three those three players? Yeah, they're all three. They're three good players. They all have length and size that Dan Quinn's going to want. Uh, I would add Greg Newsom from Northwestern. I think he's actually going to be the the third corner to go. I just based off the medicals, Farley might slip out uh, of the first. I really think the decision comes down to Patrick Sertain or or J.C. Horn. Um, they're they're a little bit different, but they both have size. They both tested incredibly well. Um, you know, I think Patrick is a really disciplined player, plays exactly how they want to play their defense in Alabama. He's stepped on campus, started 38 games. So obviously a smart guy, really good technician. Um, you know, if there's a little bit of a knock, it's playmaking ability. But I would, you, you like you say that out of one corner of your mouth, and then all you have to do is look at to Marlon Humphrey a couple of years ago. And that was the knock on Marlon coming out was he couldn't find the football. He couldn't play the football. I don't think that's Pat's or certain's issue at all um you know whereas jc horn you know hasn't been talked about quite as much uh, but brings in a little bit different skill set he's just hyper aggressive you know if you like those in your face guys that love to challenge routes and jump routes and play with a lot of swagger um jc horn's your kind of guy so um i think both would fit with what dan's gonna want to do there in dallas i mean just going back to what we had in seattle and guys like richard sherman and guys with length and and, um, yeah, I know Dan's going to want guys to come up and support the run and our tough players. I mean, you can't play in that defense without that. So Pat Sertain's a really tough guy, so is J.C. So they're going to have two good options. I really think it could go either way. To me, it's a coin flip what Dallas does. When you think about that 10 position and what you just said was really interesting as far as who could be sort of pushed back down there, some of the scenarios people love to predict trades and they have the Cowboys, could they move down to possibly – 15 if if they did that jim do you do you sense that horn maybe not sertan um obviously maybe newsome still there do you do you feel like you could move down five spots and then get one of those high level cornerbacks newsome's the one there at 15 and sertan and horn aren't there i think i think greg i think he's got the he's got the best speed and i would i would argue that with anybody i mean his transition skills are elite so um, I would do that. I, I'm a big believer in trading back. We did that a bunch in Seattle. It's kind of what we believed in, stockpile picks. If you believe in how you've scouted it, um, believe in your staff, you're going to get good players. And especially in the second round, when you get in that 25 to 45 range, um, those are all really a lot of the same guys. So if they could move back five spots and, and add a couple picks on day two, it, to me that's worthwhile. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And you're hearing the same thing we're hearing the Kyle Pitts, people are kind of laughing about Jerry falling in love with players. He did this with Johnny Manziel. There's always one player in particular that he falls in love with. And last year they had a great receiver in CD Lamb uh, fall to them. It, 
do you think there's any way in the world the Cowboys would make a play for him? And is it accurate, or are we overdoing it a little bit, to say that he's one of the great tight end prospects maybe of the last 10 to 15 years? I, it's just interesting. During the COVID, shortened COVID season, I think our natural thing is not to put too much emphasis on a shortened season, but this guy obviously, as you tweeted about, he was he was really good the year before, and then last year it, it, there were moments where it seemed like he was maybe one of the best to do it in some time. Where are you with him? Yeah, I mean, the first part of your question with, with Jerry, um, you know, he has been aggressive. I've been in draft rooms where he's had, had our team on the clock, you know, that, that year in Seattle when he was trying to trade up to get Paxton Lynch, and Thank God that's one of those draft stories for Cowboys fans that didn't work out for them, and they, they ended up with uh, Dak Prescott as their fallback plan. But uh, so so Jerry has shown the you know the the tendency to be aggressive when he wants to be aggressive, um, but I don't see that as the move this year. I really do. If anything, I move back. Um, but in regards to Kyle Pitts, he is he's one of the, you know you can you can make the case he's the best one since Vernon Davis. Um, I think Vernon Davis would have broken Twitter had there been a Twitter when Vernon came out. Um, you know, such a good player on tape and the test numbers were off the charts and Kyle's the closest thing we've seen. Um, I think that where, where Kyle's been done a little disservice through this draft talk um, was that he's been lumped in as kind of a pass catcher. And I understand why people are doing that. They're trying to get him in the conversation with, you know, the two Alabama receivers, Waddle and, and Smitty, and then Jamar Chase from LSU. So I, I get where that's come from. Um, but it's doing Kyle a disservice in the sense that he can play he can play the tight end position. You can put his hand in the ground and he can get people blocked. He's not one of these guys that just is a glorified big receiver like a Jimmy Graham. I mean, this this guy can this guy's going to be more than just getting in the way as a blocker. Um, so I yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's the best one we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. As we talked about at the at the start, you made the point about all the quarterbacks and that they'll push defensive players down to teams who prefer that, such as the Cowboys. Uh, how do you have the top quarterbacks ranked, and how many do you think are going to go in the top ten? Well, Ed, I like to stay away from rankings in my position. Uh, that's where I'm different than all the other ESPN guys. I have a senior bowl job that I need to be responsible for, so the whole ranking thing doesn't usually set well with schools and agents. Um, so I like to stay away from that. Uh, but it's a it's a good class. And I, I, I totally appreciate your question. Um, I think the first two that come off make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence makes a ton of sense to Jacksonville. I've, I've spent a lot of time on him. Uh, met him a couple of years ago at the Manning camp. He's more than mature enough to handle it for Jacksonville. Zach Wilson jumps off tape. I mean, he's a really, really easy tape evaluation. Other than there's the obvious quality of a opponent that they won against at BYU this year. I, I get that part of it. But in terms of the physical stuff, the athleticism, arm talent, I mean, it's all there. And then the other the other three guys all bring something to the table. They're all very different, though. You know, you really – you could hear a case for all three guys. I think Mac Jones to San Francisco makes sense. Um, he really does. I mean, with the way he plays from the pocket and plays from the neck up, a lot of people are scoffing at that right now, and they're saying he's not athletic enough, and he's a, you know, he's a dinosaur – I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe when you're as good as he is in those areas in terms of accuracy, pocket feel, um, you know, decision-making, guys have been winning at that level for forever with that style of game. You don't have to be Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl nowadays. I really don't, I don't believe in that at all. Justin, Justin Fields might have the best tools of any of them in terms of athleticism, arm, talent, combination. And then Trey Lance. I mean, he's – 
he's a really, really intriguing prospect. He's just coming from a small school, so there's there's more projection with with Trey Lance. But I, I do I would buy into the fact that people say in three to four years Trey Lance could be the best one. I'd have a hard time I'd have a hard time fighting against that. So I think it just comes down to these teams' particular needs and and what they want at the position. But there's all something there. There's some years where you see guys really pushed into the first round and. And it doesn't make sense. And I've graded a lot of those players over the years. I um, mean, thank God I didn't have most of them in the first round. But, uh, but, but I don't think any of these guys are being pushed. I really don't. I think I think they're all deserving. I um I was going to ask you about the uh, the Lance thing. Fascinates me. You know, it's funny how. I had a major insider I, we, the other day basically say, well, he's the guy who could fall the most. And then in the last 24 hours, there's a report, he could go three overall. So we're getting close to the draft because you can tell with all this information. It, the Lance, Lance seems to be the most – there's just so much sort of unknown about him. Like compare the – for instance – what you knew about Wentz a few years ago, who obviously came from the same school, is it like light years more than you know about Trey Lance? Is it? Is it I mean, because obviously Wentz went very, very high. Um, and and is there a comp? Like, who's your favorite comp for for Trey Lance? And I've even heard some people say Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. Yeah, they, Dak's a good comp, um, but Dak went in the fourth round, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Dak wasn't Dak when he was coming out of Mississippi State, or at least a lot of people didn't think he was. Um, but I can see there's a big variance on Trey. I mean, I, I, I know the people around him very well. Um, talked to the guys at North Dakota State. We had a couple of his teammates at the Senior Bowl, Jabril Cox being one of them. And they all say great things about him. So super smart, super intelligent, from the you know super mature from the get-go at North Dakota State. Like there was never a weird transition period where he had to work through being a, a young knucklehead or anything like he – He's ready to go that way. It's just that he hasn't played a ton of football. The play, the football he has played has been very good, but then it's the level of comp concern. No FBS opponents. I mean, the Oregon game this year would have been a huge stage for him to play on at Autzen Stadium. He didn't get that. He couldn't come play in the Senior Bowl because he was only a redshirt sophomore. So there, there's just more unknowns. You know, sometimes the unknowns make us, uh, you know, they get a little more enamored with the player when we don't know the whole thing. So I, I could see him going three. I think he would make sense in San Francisco. Um, and I could see him falling a little bit because teams really don't know what they're going to get. Either way, I don't think you want to rush him out of the field. I really don't. I think when you're in Fargo and you're winning every game and you essentially walk on water in that with that fan base, wherever he's going, there's going to be a big burden on him to come in and play at a high level. So uh, to me, Atlanta seems like a great situation because he could go sit behind Matt Ryan for a year. Um, and really learn and get comfortable. But but you're right. I mean, I think he's the most volatile stock in the whole draft on where he goes. What is it you think that Dan – what are the most important attributes you think Dan Quinn brings to this job here in Dallas? He brings a ton of energy, and I, I know sometimes you hear that about coaches, but, but Dan's got so much juice, and it's so real. It's so genuine. It's not manufactured. I think players see right through guys that are, you know, have like too much rah-rah, and it doesn't – doesn't really jive it doesn't seem real Dan just has a real genuine energy to him and a positivity to him that uh, I think is infectious with his players in, in terms of the coach I've seen him do great work with pass rushers you know that's kind of his his forte coaching that D-line and he's coached so many good ones over the years but just in terms of the overall um, 
what he brings to a unit is just just the passion. And those guys play hard. I mean, those Seattle defenses, yeah, we had talented guys, you know, Earl and Cam and, and Richard and Bobby Wagner. I mean, there were great players on that defense, but I think the common thread between all of them is that they were hyper competitive and they played hard. Um, so I think Dan's going to get that out of his guys. And I think mo- most importantly, he's going to target guys that have that, you know, they're going to have that swagger. I think a lot of teams try to shy away from having too many alphas in the room. And uh, we kind of embraced that. We kind of leaned into it the other way in Seattle. Yeah, we, we collected those guys. We love those guys. So I would, I would think if I'm a Cowboys fan, Try to try to figure out which guys like have that alpha dog in their personality and their playing style. And to me, those are the guys that they're going to appeal to Dan. And since we're talking about those picks, does um, offensive line has come up with the Cowboys too, Jim? Um, I'm wondering if Slater, out of uh, you know, some people projected him to move inside and play guard. Um, it, it's funny how we in our minds think what a Northwestern player is supposed to be. And I don't know if Slater totally fits that. Like, I, I, you know, maybe there's some nastiness to him, all that kind of thing. Um, what, what would he look like? I mean, if he was there, per, for instance, at number 10, is that something, uh, you know, what, what, what is it about this guy? And, and where do you kind of stand on those offensive tackles and guards that are in that range? Yeah, Slater's been, been our highest graded one. I mean, he had a chance to come to the senior bowl, but the opt-out kind of killed that. You know, he... He hadn't played in a year. I think he was a little worried about the rust factor and and things of that nature, but a great player, Um, high-end athlete, great feet on tape, great patience. Uh, You know, he isn't the longest guy, so I understand with 33-inch arms or 33 and a quarter, whatever they ended up coming out. I mean, it wasn't your prototype 35, 36-inch tackle, but he gets it done because he's got great feel for his pass sets. He's got great feet, um, uses his hands really well, but again, if you wanted to kick him inside, that makes sense. I think there's way too many people in the draft process now that just want to dig in their heels and fight for certain things. And to me, just put him where he fits best. Could he play left tackle? Yes. If Tyron Smith is healthy, could he kick inside and play guard? Yes. And he'd do, he'd do either one at a high level. I think I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl level, level player, to probably regardless of which spot you put him at. You know, I, I liked it the other day. I think you tweeted about some of those players that may not be getting as much attention. Humphrey's a kid that we've seen in the uh, uh, from Oklahoma for a few years. Um, I think it was uh, Manieras or however you, say, however you say his name. I like that. I mean, that guy's kind of a fascinating guy to me. The other one where I actually went to the pro day was this William Bradley King. The man calls himself the technician. And you've said good things about him. I think he was another senior bowl uh, player. I He didn't run great that day, and maybe we expected that. But he, he does seem to always be around the quarterback. Is that is that a guy that at fourth, fifth, sixth round could be kind of a, a, a great option for a team? Yeah, yeah. You brought up Creed Humphrey minors. I think, I think, I think Humphrey's going to be a Pro Bowl center. I think he's a really, really one of the safest picks in the draft in terms of you know what you're getting. Um, Quinn Miners has been an astronomical jump up this draft chart. Uh, when we invited him to the Senior Bowl, I mean, I reached out to probably over half the league about Quinn, and nobody had draftable grades on this guy. And now he's going to go in the top 50 picks. It sounds like so. Um, I don't. It's unprecedented. I don't know if we've ever seen a, a draft process like a kid for Quinn. Um, and then yeah, William Bradley King. It's funny he calls himself the technician on Twitter. Because he's what what I love about him, he's he's like combative, he's aggressive, um, he's got a really heavy punch, and he plays his butt off. So like he's kind of the anti technician to me. He's kind of a bull in a china shop sometimes. 
Um, but I love his game. I, I, I think he's, he's not going to get out of the fourth round. I don't think just based up where he's at, I'm talking to teams and he's a, he's a really heavy handed combative physical edge setter um, on first and second down. And then I think he showed more at Arkansas state in the past, like going back to his, his uh, junior year at Arkansas state, you know, put up big sack numbers. Uh, he was around the quarterback a lot for Baylor this year, but actually missed at the quarterback. Some, um, he had a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of close, but no close, but no cigar plays in the backfield. Um, so there is upside there. Um, and the cool thing about William is that he has a knack when he gets around the quarterback for getting the ball loose. Um, and again, you saw that a ton at Arkansas state. So he did a nice job this year at Baylor, getting his hands up. He had a bunch of pass deflections. So he's got a little bit of like a disruptive knack as a, as a rusher that I don't think people are giving him enough credit for. So again, in the fourth round, if you're dra- if you're just drafting him to be kind of a wave, you know, part of the rotation player, you might end up with more than that in two or three years. You might end up with a starter.